Joe Metheny was an American serial killer and rapist and cannibal that did his horrific deeds in Baltimore, Maryland between 1976 to 1996. He claimed he killed 13 people, but he would later be charged with two murders and after being sentenced to death without parole, later confirmed to have killed three more. Find out more on today's episode. Listening to Clapped by Fire. Hello, I'm Kai Maxwell, your host, and you are listening to the Clapped by Fire podcast. With listening to today's episode, I'd like to see some pictures about today's episode. Hop on to our Instagram page. The handle is Clap by Fire Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, remember to follow, like, and share. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Audible. June is National Men's Health Month. This month is all about encouraging men in your life, including you and other men, to take care of your bodies by eating right, exercising, and working to prevent disease. I've been uh, trying to actively go to the gym, buying more healthy food options, and trying to take care of myself. I have an extremely toxic and high-demand working environment, so spending time eating right, sleeping seven to eight hours a day, but also trying to do my best as a dad, spend time with my children, uh, can be super hard at times. And sometimes you just got to take a step back and uh, tell yourself you got to focus on yourself a little bit more to make sure that uh, your health is good. So, been working on that. Uh, strongly encourage uh, all the men out there to uh, try to better yourself. Try to hit that gym. Try to do those sit-ups in the morning. Try to eat a little bit healthier. Uh, help prevent disease and just, you know, try to sleep better and be, be better in life. Today's story is uh, extremely disturbing, absolutely gory, and uh, it's probably one of the most graphic episodes that uh, we're going to be doing here today, and so explicit warning, um, and if your stomach gets turned easy, uh, I probably recommend not listening to this episode, um, but if you are a fan of history, true crime, and uh, want to learn today's story, um, stick around. So let's jump into the Clapmobile and take a ride down this timeline. Joseph Roy Metheny was born on March 2nd, 1955. Not a whole lot of information about his early childhood. Um, Joe did say he was horribly neglected as a child. And according to his mother, uh, this is definitely not the case. So not a whole lot of information about this guy. The information that we do have is his confession, but also his mother's words. So I'm going to tell you both sides, and uh, you, uh, you, you determine um, what you believe. <clears throat> so like I said, after he was caught, he was interviewed and told that he was extremely neglected as a child. He was born into a family of six children, and uh, his mother neglected them. You have six children. Mom can only spend so much time focusing on each child. Their father apparently was an abusive, raging alcoholic, and at six years old in his life, he died in a car accident, which led to his mother having to work double shifts to support the family, six children. 
um, you know, back in the 50s, I'm sure that was uh, pretty hard. I can't even imagine going to work and working two shifts and leaving six children home all day. Uh, what are they doing? Are they destroying your house? Um, I would presume that the oldest siblings would probably become like the babysis, uh, the babysitters. Um, kind of have to pretend to be like mom and dad and discipline the other children if they're acting out. Um, but I can just imagine working two shifts and coming home to six children and my house an absolute disaster. Those videos that you watch online where ki uh, children get into like flour or rip up the couch cushions. Um, definitely see that happening. <clears throat> so the mom, uh, to help with her, uh, so his, his mom, she was a waitress, uh, a bartender. She, she drove a food truck and, uh, she told detectives when being interviewed that her children never went hungry and had pretty average lifestyles. And uh, her mother, to try to help out not leaving these children home, she would try to, you know, set up babysitters, send them to neighbors' houses and see if they could watch them for a period of time. So, for an example, hey there, Joe, I'm working a 10-hour shift today and uh, <laughs> I won't be home till later, little buddy. I'm going to send you over across the street to hang out the Petersons. You know, little Calvin over there, it'd be so much fun to play with. Uh, I, I, I love you, Joe. Have a good one. I got to go to work. And uh, then you have Joe that's like, ah, I'm only here because my parents have died and I'm neglected as a child. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> Joe would tell people that, uh, I don't know if he was ashamed or if uh, he was just embarrassed, but when he went, we, when, sometimes when he'd go to other people's houses, he would tell people, ah, I'm here because my parents are dead. And uh, that simply just wasn't true. Um. I don't know if he's playing the victim here. Maybe he was neglected. Maybe his mom's lying. Maybe he's lying. So you're kind of taking mama's word over his word. This was back in the 50s. A lot of, you know, a lot of this information has actually lost history. But the information that we do have is his word against mama's. And his mama did not end up becoming a gruesome serial killer like little Joey did. So kind of leaning towards uh, mama's word here. Um, so Joe, like I said, not a lot of information about him growing up. Um, like, like I said, his parents, he supposedly claimed his parents neglected him. I totally see a scene in my mind of Joe climbing up into a tree and his mother coming up to him like, Hey Joe, it's your birthday party. I've invited friends to be over. And it's like, no mama, I don't want to come down out of the tree until everyone leaves. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, when everyone leaves, it's like, Oh, no one was here. You neglected me. Maybe he was a little spoiled brat. You know, we don't know. All we know is that uh, six children, and like I said, mom was working crazy hours, and mom claims that he had pretty good life. In school, he was known for being quiet and shy and very intelligent. Never got into fights, good grades. Uh, school for him was a piece of cake. Nothing too crazy. <clears throat> At the age of 19, uh, little Joey, Metheny, he joined the army in 1973 and 19 years old. His mother said he served in Germany, but Joe claimed that he actually served in Vietnam. He was part of an artillery unit. And uh, supposedly back in the day, they would prescribe drugs to people to help cope with like PTSD, experiencing extreme trauma. Is this the case? We do not know. All we know is that Joe became a massive heroin addict. 
Um, probably because he saw some crazy shit in his time. And, uh, yeah, you know, sniffing the, the white powder, uh, you know, definitely helps with that, obviously. Um... And so obviously, you know, you know, when he was in uh when he was in the army, he just his his mother told said that he completely just drifted away from the family. And it's probably because his mommy was neglecting him, right? When he was out in the war, and he'd probably tell his fellow uh probably tell his fellow comrades, whatever you call them. Mom, why didn't you come and visit me while we were bombing the shit out of this town? You know, mama doesn't like hearing stories like that and seeing that shit but the white powder hey it takes the edge right off makes you feel makes you feel great and then then the mom's just like uh joey nah nah you're crazy you're crazy so like i said he's on the war in the army and you know claims to be one thing his mom heard something completely different claims to be serving in germany he says he's serving in vietnam becomes heroin addict and it's kind of funny because his last name <laughs> methany meth any why don't you smoke why why didn't he smoke meth uh you know apparently got into heroin but yeah whatever so uh when joe got back apparently a little nickname they gave him in the armor the, the army was uh teeny tiny teeny tiny he was 6'1 and over 200 pounds. He worked as, he he eventually found a job as a forklift driver working at a pallet factory and all of his spare money would feed his addiction of smoking crack cocaine, drinking liquor and leading him to become very obese around 450 pounds. So I just want you to close your eyes and imagine this real fast. Joe Methany, a 6'1", 450-pound WWE champion, smokes cocaine, and he drinks beer. He will kick your ass. Step into the ring. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make fun of this guy because uh, that's what I do. I don't like reading these uh, these horrible stories and just keeping a straight face. Try to try to uh, yeah, you know, try to make it a little bit more brighter. It's so dark. So, uh, like I said, at his job, he starts working in a pallet factory, becomes a forklift driver, and he is known for being a very well mannered intelligent, um, very good at problem solving and making choices. With doing drugs, you tend to hang out with probably some of not the best people and or the best places. He started spending literally all of his money um, and free time at bars, hanging out with homeless people, and just doing hardcore drugs. He ended up meeting a woman who had the same addiction as Joe. And uh, they started pretty much fueling each other's addictions, making the problem even worse. So you can imagine one cocaine addict meets another cocaine, another cocaine addict. So sorry. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, they just start, you know, feeling each other. Oh, yeah, you got that much. Oh, I got this much. Yeah, let's smoke it all tonight. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, we need to get more. I can only imagine. And they they eventually even had a, had a son together. Apparently, uh, no information about the son having, like, any crazy birth defects or anything for, you know, his mom being a cocaine addict and yada, yada, yada. So, continuing on in our story, 
1984, Metheny becomes a truck driver and is away from his family for large amounts of time. He comes home to find that his house is completely empty with his his wife and son missing. You know, asking around, um, has anybody seen my family? Does anybody know where they've gone? And uh, Joe just gets extremely angry and literally has a breakdown. He gets extremely angry with his lie, his wife and, you know, saying that he hated that bitch and never loved her. And, uh, you know, she could have gone and dropped his son off at his mom's house. But no, she stole my six-year-old son from me. So Joe starts planning revenge against his ex-wife. He finds out that why he was gone, she maybe was smoking with some other people and ended up running away with another guy that she uh, was doing her addiction with. And you will never believe what happens next. So Joe, here's some information about maybe where his uh, wife and son might be staying. So he ends up driving to this this bridge where um, he had found out some information. And, and li- like I said, Joe, I don't necessarily know if this guy was homeless. He did. He definitely hung out with a lot of homeless people. Would go smoke crack with homeless people. Hang out in bars. Um, definitely just didn't have. The best of friends. So, you know, when you're talking to your ho- your, ho- your homeless friends and they're like, oh, yeah, the bridge that's on 3rd and South or whatever, I think they're staying under that bridge. That's that's just a little disturbing to me knowing that uh, there's a mom uh, cocaine addict that's uh, pulling a six around, six-year-old uh, son around with her and uh, also doing these drugs. Absolutely crazy. So here, here's some information. She, her and her new lover might be staying under this bridge. And uh, he ends up uh, going to this bridge and going underneath the bridge, and he finds that there's a couple there. And he recognized the lady, noticed that she, um, you know, had done drugs with his wife previous. And uh, he brings an axe, and uh, her. So he goes under the bridge, and there's a mattress under the bridge, and then it's her and a dude. And he just goes on a fucking rampage. Joe gets an axe. Uh, Kills them, dismembers their body, and uh, I don't know, just goes and buries them off in a shower, shallow grave somewhere. And uh, it's just, it's just crazy what what he he does here. He he gives a statement on this, and they're only able to confirm the bodies, but that they found. But uh, there's three other bodies here that uh, they never end up finding. So he he kills uh, the couple on the mattress with an axe, dismembers their bodies, buries them in a shallow grave, whatever. And then that very same day, um, he goes and lures a lady um, that, that or it's, you know some homeless lady says, "Hey, come under this bridge and smoke some crack." Goes underneath the bridge, uh, beats the living shit out of her, and uh, tends to rape her. And then uh, choke her out and strangle her to death. He then goes and throws her body in a nearby bush. And uh, Joe's not done yet. He's just so angry that his wife left him. She's out cheating on him. And, you know, took his son. And just he's just going absolutely insane here. So he's killed the, t- the couple on the mattress. He's remembered their body with an axe. Uh, lures another lady down there. And, uh... Beats her, rapes her, and then uh, strangles her out, throws her into a bush. 
Then, then he goes and lures another lady. Lures her down, repeats the process. He goes to the same bush where he is hiding the body, and he throws the body in there. And then, while he's doing this, he looks up, and he sees that there's a man standing down on the edge of the river fishing, and this man looks over and sees him. I'm sure Joe panicked, and so, you know, what does he do? He's got to go take out this guy, too. Can you imagine being fishing down at a river and looking up at the bank, and there's a 6'1", 450-pound, bald-ass dude carrying a dead body. All of a sudden, you guys lock eyes, and then this dude just starts, like, charging your ass down. Oh, I would, I'd be so scared. You know why he... Why he caught me and strangled me, uh, he'd probably uh, smell shit because I would shit my pants. I'd be so scared. 6'1", 450 pounds, bald dude. I can just imagine him wearing like coveralls like, hey, I'm Joe. I'm a redneck. Uh, I don't know. That would, that would scare the living hell out of me. So on one day, Joe got so angry with his wife that he went and killed and murdered five different people. So the two people that were laying on the mattress was Randall and Randy. He dismembered them with an axe. He then lured two women down there, strangled them and killed them, raped them and beat them. And then some random fisherman dude uh, saw him too. So after he kills them, the three bodies. So the so he killed the two people with the axe, went and buried them in a shallow grave. The three people that are the two girls that he lured and the fishermen he he said to police that he um he put rocks on them and and uh sunk them down in the river those bodies have never been found and so did it happen or was he telling the truth uh we will quite never know so uh two weeks later um Randall and Randy, the two people that were murdered down on the mattress, um, they get discovered and uh, they find Joe and they end up uh, arresting him and taking him to jail. And uh, he's in jail for about 18 months. And then when taken to trial, the trial only lasted a week long and they actually ended up throwing it out lack of to evidence they didn't have enough evidence to fully charge him so he serves 18 months in jail has a week-long trial and then they discover that uh they just can't charge him because they don't have enough evidence so uh joe is set free and what does joe do uh joe goes back to one of his old bosses and is able to convince him to give him a job back at the pallet factory driving forklifts he also talks to his boss and tells him that, uh, you know, he's having some hard times. He's, you know, yada, yada, yada. His boss actually feels bad for him and allows him to live in a camper outside the factory. Um, so pretty much it gets his job back. And then uh, there's also an agreement where he's going to just live in his little trailer on the factory property. And at nighttime, he'll have to come out a couple times and just kind of, you know, kind of kind of just be like a little security guard, walk around the property, make sure that nothing is wrong. And uh, in that case, he'll be able to live there. And uh, so, you know, definitely uh, the owner of this company is definitely uh, helping Joe out. 
the thing with this factory is this factory was on a dead end street and it was kind of off on its own and was heavily forested so um being out there he definitely had a lot of privacy um didn't have to hear anybody else he could pretty much do whatever he wants and uh pretty much uh, get rid of it so uh, obviously this guy's up to no good he's still addicted to drugs yada 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 in 1994 joe lured a woman to his trailer she was either a sex worker or he obviously promised to uh do drugs with her or something he ended up raping her and killing her he dismembered her body and buried her in a shallow grave on the side of the factory no one around could hear any screams um you know there couldn't be no one would hear like it was you know out in the middle of nowhere it's a bunch of forests whatever and uh, sounds like a perfect place for a 6'1", 450-pound bald-head serial killer to uh, be lingering and uh, just chilling. So uh, this is according to Joe. After arrested, uh, they asked him about uh, this person. And this is absolutely fucking disgusting. Six months after killing her and raping her and dismembering her body, he ended up uh, digging her up because he was paranoid that he was going to get caught. He ended up uh, beheading her and apparently just threw her head away in a box in the trash can. He was thinking that uh, without her head, they wouldn't be able to identify the body. And getting a high from seeing someone that he had killed, according to Joe, he uh, washed off the maggots and made love to her body one more time. Oh, God, that is disgusting. This guy is horribly mentally ill. Um, you know, you think that he was angry. Was he really angry at his wife? Or was he one of those people that grew up, had these sick, nasty fucking fantasies and used his wife as a reason to do these horrendous crimes disgusting joe in 1996 joe lured another woman kimberly lynn spicer to his trailer in mid-november she refused to have sex with him so he ended up stabbing her to death and then made love to her body and he also reported this to police, but apparently his first kill of the shallow grave that was beheaded and the second girl, uh, Lynn, uh, Kimberlyn Splicer, he ended up uh, cutting chunks of their body off and uh, storing them in Tupperware in his freezer. Uh, sounds like he's doing some Jeffrey Dahmer shit here. And uh, this is where this story just starts getting... You thought it was bad. It's getting more bad. This is just fucked. After, I don't know, doing the research, stomach was turning. It's absolutely disgusting. So uh, apparently during this time, <laughs> little, uh, our, you know, big 6'1", 450-pound uh, Joe had opened a roadside pork burger stand, which he used to try to make a little extra money. He would uh, use the victim's meat that he had harvested. He would grind it with other pig meat. And um, he would sell it to factory workers and pretty much anyone passing by. He would also eat the burgers himself and tell people that it was a secret recipe passed down from the family, yada, yada, yada. Papa Murphy's better ingredients, better pizza. And uh, word, word got out that his burgers were actually pretty delicious. And uh, it was a huge hit and made, made some money off of it. And as word spread around town, people would end up driving miles and miles to come out and try good old Joe Metheny's Burger Stand. 
Uh, the time came where uh, he ended up telling people that he was uh, he was running out of ingredients. He was running out of his secret recipe, and he had to restock. And so, a.k.a. what this means is uh, Joe needs another victim. Joe then lures Rita Kemper on December 8th, 1996, out, of, uh, <clears throat> out to his trailer to do some drugs. So apparently they got high together, and then he wanted to have sex. Rita then ran out of the trailer, and uh, so apparently this uh, factory, this uh, pallet factory that he was working at, had an eight-foot fence with uh, bob wire on the top of it around the whole property. So he lures Rita in. Um, I honestly don't know how you're not feeling trapped. You go into a community where there's a gate, there's a factory, a little dude with the trailers, 450 pounds, 6'1", he's bald, he looks creepy as fuck. How is that not any red flags? How? How desperate are you for that high? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Really? <laughs> no. So uh, Rita runs out of the trailer, obviously runs around the property, can't get out of the fence. So Joe chases her down. Like I said, remember, bald man, 450 pounds, 6'1 dude, uh, chases her down, beats the living shit out of her, and drags her back to the trailer. He then pulls down her pants and whispers in her ear, I'm going to kill you and bury you out in the woods with the other girls. Holy shit. Uh, Rita, after hearing this, um, apparently tried to fight back, and then she ended up playing dead. And uh, when he wasn't looking, she jumped up and was able to uh, manage to escape through one of the trailer windows. She runs to the edge of the property, and she finds um, a pallet stack of maybe 8 to 10 pallets that's right up against the fence. Rita is able to scramble to the top of this pile of pallets and able to jump over the barbed wire fence, fence to freedom. She jumps over the fence, adrenaline pumping, um, you know, probably the worst fear of her life, runs down the road and is able to flag down a guy uh, in a little pick-em-up truck that is just passing by. She gets in the truck, tells the guy to drive, 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 tells the guy that there was some dude that just tried to kill and murder her. Yada, yada, yada. This uh, dude on the pickup truck ends up driving her to a nearby gas station. Rita gets out of the, uh, gets out of the truck, runs to the phone, um, calls the police immediately, tells police that a man has tried to rape her and kill her. He also, she also said clearly that he, he had told her that he had uh, killed other women and they were out in the woods. Some police then immediately go to Rita, ask her some questions, yada, 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 and some other police end up going to the pallet factory where Joe is just at. And I don't know if his first victim is getting away. He just kind of gave him, told himself he was done. Pretty much he just chills there and uh, doesn't do nothing. When a police arrive to the factory, uh, Joe walks up, unlocks the, uh, the eight... Eight-foot-tall gate, opens it up. Police immediately pull out their firearms, yell at him, tell him to get his ass on the ground. Joe lays on the ground, and then police run up and handcuff this monster. They then take Joe back to the police station and question him, where he just immediately confesses to everything. 
Says that he's killed around 13 people. You know, he tells them, like, where some bodies are at, what he's done. And um, just just completely gives a testimony, confesses to everything. So now that he's confessed to this, and uh, er earlier he was tried for the murder of two people, and uh, they dismissed it due to not having enough evidence. Now with his confession, they were able to charge him for... uh, the, the two murders underneath the bridge of the axe, but the other three bodies they were unable to find. So they end up uh, charging him uh, for, for two murders with an axe and attended kidnapping of uh, Rita, and they end up giving him the death penalty. And uh, apparently they go and they search this, uh, this factory, and they're just not able to find these bodies, and they keep looking and they keep looking... And uh, <clears throat> Joe tells him, he says, I'll show you where the bodies are at. So he goes and shows them where the body was with the decapitated, decapitated head. And there was also another body that he was hiding inside the pallet factory. How disgusting. Knowing that you would go to work every day and that the guy that was living on the property was uh, killing people. And... Uh, who knows? You may have eaten a burger from his little burger stand. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I would I would get mental health after this. What if your co-worker's like, oh, hey, open a burger stand. And then, and then you go there every day for lunch. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, you found out that you were, uh, you were eating his victims in his uh, special recipe, uh, Fork Burgers. How discur- disturbing and absolutely just disgusting. Joe tells police, he says, I have killed 13 victims, and like I said, apparently they weren't able to find all the bodies. They were able to find the two bodies that were axe-murdered underneath the bridge. They were able to find um, three more bodies after that. So he was charged for two, later charged for three more, and when he was charged for three more, they ended up taking him off death row and giving him just life in prison. How disgusting. So he got charged for killing five people, but he confessed killing 13, and none of the other bodies have been found. When they asked, or in court, when he was on trial, they asked him, what was your motive? Why did you do this? And Joe just says, "Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It got his blood pumping, and uh, I don't know, absolutely disgusting. And he... (sighs) He says something else, and I quote, Well, that's my story, horrible but true. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this, make sure you think about this story before you try to take a bit of a sandwich. Sometimes you never know who you may be eating. Ha, 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 ha. Apparently laughed after saying that in court. Holy shit. And if you see pictures of this guy, this guy looks like he's right out of a fucking horror movie. There's this famous picture, you know, it's old, but it's black. It's like black and white. And he's like sticking his tongue out and he just looks like, like just the creepiest looking, just massive, nastiest looking guy you've ever seen in your life. So Joe was given the death penalty after the two murders, uh, was later uh, rejected, and he was given life in prison after being charged for three more murders. 
A guy gets sentenced to life in jail for prison on August 5th, 2017. Um, They ended up finding him in his prison cell dead at the age of 62, 2017. Thank God this absolute disturbing monster is no longer on this earth anymore. This brings us out of our timeline. It's a true, sad, and absolutely disgusting story of Joe Metheny. But... Hollywood and video games have actually taken inspiration for him to create some uh, horror games. There's actually a pretty popular game called Mr. Meat. It's about a butcher that, uh, you know, takes people, kills them, and then sells the money. Apparently, it's pretty popular. They made a second one. Apparently, the third one is in the works. There's also some horror movies that have taken reference uh, from Joe. And uh, just an absolutely disgusting, disturbing story. And, uh... That's all we have for this week. So, Joe Metheny, the cannibal, rapist, and killer, and burger seller, has been clapped. Have a great day. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) 